Sox fans, here we are. Hot takes and heaters. Danny Miller, Nick Morowski from Future Sox. Chopping a bunch of White Sox stuff up for you as, uh, hey, squad action, full squad action is underway. Uh, you know, man, Jerry's going to go ask for a bunch of money. Uh, has, probably will continue. Uh, boy, there's some uh, really interesting streaks that we're going to talk about in terms of positions that have uh, yet to be figured out. Battles, uh, Pedro Grafol needs to stop talking, but I'm glad he is because we've got something to talk about in that uh, in that element. Um, a good friend, Danny Miller, how are you? I'm doing well this evening, man. Just uh, happy to uh, be able to sit here and say to you that... Uh, you know, and all our listeners, obviously, that, uh, you know, baseball's back. Yeah. And for 2024, uh, you know, we haven't seen any games yet, but there's a full slate scheduled here over the next couple of weeks before the season gets rolling. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I'm feeling like spring is in the air, man. So ready to get into this thing. By the way, I feel like we need to throw a disclaimer on that. Sure. You know, we've talked about this before, but, uh, you know, the title of the new show here, yeah. Hot Takes and Heaters. Uh, you know, obviously the heaters is going to refer to me just ripping through them as we, uh, as we go on and you've started already, which I appreciate. Uh, I did off, off screen. Uh, I did have one going, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to preface the fact that, uh, you are not a fan of the hot takes, but, and I, you know, really don't feel like you have hot (laughs) takes either, but not so hot takes and heaters is just a long, long title for a show. So. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, it, it rolls off the tongue. Um, I have gotten to n- know you a little bit more over the last few weeks and what triggers, you know, a lung dart and when you <laughs> fire one up and what gets you all kind of hot and bothered. So I might be, you know, hitting that trigger button uh, a little bit more uh, throughout our time together. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a socks takes. I'm, I'm no short on opinions, as anybody knows, from the lockdown days, from uh, joining me on Good Guys Talk Back. Uh passionate, lifelong. I'll, I'll be consuming just as much White Sox baseball this season as I ever have. And that's insane uh, when you talk to other people that are either casual Sox fans or maybe they're perhaps Northside fans or they're just, they happen to be baseball fans and they just can't believe it. When, when you say to somebody, Danny, you know, I, I spend my time following the Chicago White Sox I mean, what's the reaction and what do you say to that? Wow. Uh, you know, so I believe it or not, I actually just spent, uh, you know, the better part of the weekend, actually the entire weekend and, uh, the Thursday and Friday before this past weekend, working at the RV show over in Rosemont. And I came across a lot of out of towners, including some of the folks that I worked with that came in to help us, uh, handle the large crowds there. And a lot of folks. You know, when you get to talking about where they're from, favorite sports teams come up, right? And I start telling people that I'm a I'm a big Sox fan, and I've been doing some uh, White Sox podcasts. They look at me and they're like, "Oh man, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry." But you know, the answer to that really is, uh, you know, as much as we sit here and grind it out, the reality is, is that's it's just it becomes part of you. It's in your blood when you're a fan of a team as long as, you know, you and I have been of the White Sox, you know, good or bad, you're going to obviously have some passionate thoughts 
about what's going on. And, uh, you know, like I said before, and I'll say it again, doing these shows is almost a form of therapy for me. It is. Um, I've thought about creating another uh, White Sox podcast and, and calling it Sox Therapy. It, it's just, I, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that has gone on in my life, as I'm sure with you and with the other, other Sox fans, where you go to the White Sox, even when they're horrible, as a sense of comfort, because that's all you know. And you have some sort of memory, maybe a fan, a family member, a partner, or just, you know, this gets me away from what's going on in my life, you know, and, and I can just <laughs> escape just about every evening for six months, hopefully six months plus, you know, and, and watch the White Sox almost like just tune out to anything else that's going on. Now, when you are really hanging on this team, it brings out a bunch of emotions. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'm with it no matter what. And what we've seen the last couple of years is really disturbing in my mind. It's disheartening. I, I'm confused in the direction. Um, the transparency is, is really off-putting. And the big ticket item, Danny, is the 78. It, right now, it's, it's the South Loop Stadium. It's don't look at what we're doing with the team. Don't look at the lack of money we've spent or the type of deals that we're doing or anything that Grafol says. Focus on this shiny new toy, uh, the renderings and the potential of the South Loop, State, uh, South Loop Stadium. Uh, Monday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday afternoon, early evening, Jerry Reinsdorf in Springfield begging for money. Um, you know, your thoughts when, when you heard it, because we heard it a couple, maybe a day or so ago that Ryan Zerp was going to go down uh, to Springfield to start lobbying for this. And, and we heard like what the cost was going to be right a few days ago, the price tag of a billion dollars, you know, with everything that is planned uh, and more perhaps on that lot 78. What were your initial thoughts? Well, you know, I, I go back to the original report of when this all kind of came out, and it, it, it all seemed to happen very quickly. You know, obviously months ago, uh, you know, there were uh, there was some speculations made about Jerry Reinsdorf making a trip to a certain uh, city in the south, and, uh, you know, people just automatically assumed that he was shopping the team. Yeah. Right? He was looking for a new home when he went down to Nashville. And, uh, you know, not too long after that, all of a sudden, this whole thing about the 78 and this, not just this new stadium, but this ballpark village and, and, you know, premium condominiums and all kinds of things going up on the Chicago's, uh, riverfront. And that original report immediately had JB Pritzker saying that, uh, you know, no matter who else was behind it, he's not one that's going to get behind the public paying for, you know, billionaire, uh, adventures, right. Or billionaire ventures, I should say, uh, you know, the other side of that coin though, is, is, you know, JB Pritzker being part of a family that, uh, he is, that is, you know, if you run down the list of names, there's like 11 or so of them that are like in the top 1500 ish, uh, richest people in the world. And uh, their family wealth is in the neighborhood of $37 billion. One of those ventures happens to be, and probably their biggest venture happens to be, you know, ownership of the, the Hyatt group, right? 
Mm-hmm. And then you start to wonder, maybe Jerry Reinsdorf's going down there and pitching, you know, some of the returns that the city and the state are going to get from this thing. And, you know, J.B. Prisker can't go out there and, and throw his name and his own money into the hat because that would be a conflict of interest. But maybe a certain Hyatt hotel chain in the area on the complex uh maybe you know parts of that chain restaurants bars that are attached to them could have uh you know a a bit of an arm twisting kind of uh reaction i don't know but you know a billion dollars is a lot of money right so it's it's a lot of money um and i know it's not just for a stadium Uh, there's a lot of other things that are going to be going in to that area um you know, we, we, we talked parking, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to I'm not going to get into the whole parking situation. I know that that's a trigger for for a lot of folks. But you got the Chicago Bears that, you know, I, I don't know what's happening with the Arlington situation. Um, and, and they've got a lot of money. You know, their their ownership group has, has a lot of money. They want to stay somewhere on the lakefront. I don't know where that would be. Uh, it, are they are the Bears and the White Sox fighting for this for this lot seventy eight? I don't know if they're fighting for this lot seventy eight. You know, and, and again, going back to that original report, there was uh, it was said that it was going to be you know kind of a a standalone one off you know single use stadium for the White Sox. They didn't really want to share it with anyone else, kind of like how they don't right now with you know the current stadium uh you know you might see a concert here and there after a uh you know after a ball game as a promotional deal but it's not like wrigley where you're getting you know dave matthews and and you know uh foo fighters to come out you know a lot and, and and do these big shows just for a few examples but for it to be a multi use sports complex might make sense but at the same time if you know again i don't want to get into the parking thing but yeah football is a tailgating sport right it just is yeah Yeah, baseball you might be able to get away with it without upsetting too many fans but uh not having any kind of real tailgating is gonna kind of i think kill a lot of uh you know what chicagoans especially i mean eight games a year right uh right you know so like it's once a week uh sometimes it's back-to-back weekends but you know and it's not always on sunday i get that but it's few and far between it's like i you know i want to maximize my my football day you know it's a whole thing um it's a that's multiple hours before a game i mean i've tailgated for you know seven o'clock night bear games like sunday night games I've started tailgating at like two or three whenever, whenever they were allowing right. us in, um, you know, I don't know how we were doing it, but we were doing it. It was insane, but that's how it goes. I don't remember uh, how, I don't, I don't know how you remember doing it when, when you're going that long and that hard. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> someone's reminded me, let's just put it that way. You Roger know? that. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, look, I, I hear the whole Pritzker stuff uh, and what he's talked about. I, I've tried to read as much of the Cranes article as I could. There's a lot of ins and outs, man. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts with this, a lot of little backroom deals. Uh, you know the, how things work if you've been paying attention uh, for any amount of years uh, in Illinois. 
especially if you go back to how the previous uh, stadium was built back in the late 80s, uh, New Comiskey. So, yeah, Pritzker saying one hand, uh, I don't believe in you know public money for billionaire ventures. But he's also said kind of like almost with a, but if there is return, you know, if it's good for the city, if it's good for the state, and and that could be ultimately what happens is he could come around and say, well, I've seen the plans, I've talked to uh, the investors, uh, the projections are really impressive. We don't want to lose the Chicago White Sox. We think it's good for the city, for the state. And, and here you go, Jerry uh, gets his way once again, which is really infuriating to me just as a fan that, you know, he is begging almost in a weird way, like going down there uh, and, and asking for money and for these for these handouts. But the White Sox are one of the uh, only two teams in all of baseball, Danny, that have yet to give a player a $100 million contract that refuse to play at the top of free agency classes. They do not pay premium money for premium talent. You know, Reinsdorf has talked about his issues with giving large contracts to pitchers, especially lengthy ones. That 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 hits. It's one thing if Reinsdorf has been paying, you know, and 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 paying, and, and there's been big contracts, and he's and he's throwing money around to build, you know, a team year after year. It's like the Sox are always in conversation when it comes to free agency. That 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 would I I don't know if it would be. It's a little bit more easy on the stomach, but now when you don't spend any money on your team for years and years and years, especially critical moments when you could have during you know those those pivotal rebuild moments, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, this just makes it even more nauseating. Cat, you know, you hit on a couple of things that we could easily segue yeah. into uh, in one of our other uh, topics that we want to get into tonight. But yeah, no, I totally agree. It, it's just disappointing that, uh, you know, when he's got his hand out, he's uh, he's quick to act, right? Yeah. This, this all is happening really quickly. But when it comes to Sox fans wanting something in return for their investment, especially those, you know, long-term season ticket holders, right. That go in and they spend their money game in and game out and prices just continually to rise. And it just feels like a shot in the gut. You know, it just feels like we're not being paid attention to, we're not, you know, we're not being given what we feel like we deserve at least, you know, give us something entertaining. Right. And it's been pretty difficult to get, the, you know, that out of the White Sox this last couple of seasons. But uh, before we move on, I did want to kind of point at some of the, the the comments we have here in the chat. And uh, the Eradicator believes yeah. that uh, the Bears are a six billion dollar business. So money goes to the poverty class White Sox. And on that one. Yeah, I will have my inaugural heater here on here you go man uh hot so takes and heaters we're, we're learning you know what, what sets you off and uh <laughs> you know, not only am i learning but uh, viewers and listeners are going to be learning as well and, and i think that could be a fun game throughout the season it's just how can we get 
my my goal is to get you you know smoking maybe two cigarettes at a time um oh, not as a novelty not that. as a not as a, a joke but because you need it because of the content that we're talking about and the issues that are happening with this uh, white Sox ball club of ours um so you know we'll, we'll see what happens you know we we've talked about oh well you know the lease isn't up for x amount of years at guaranteed rate field why are we worrying about something like that Man, all that stuff has got to get lined up way in advance, okay? All of those decisions, all the money, all the planning, all that's got to get figured out well ahead of time. You're not going to figure out, you know, two weeks before the lease is up, hey, maybe we should do something really quick uh, in, in, in terms of a new stadium. So, you know, and then also, you know, there's, there's deadlines for budget issues with the state of Illinois and, you know... It, there's recess uh, down in, in Springfield. So you, you got to get to it when you can. And Jerry Reinsdorf sees the opportunity, sees the moment, and, and he is going to try to get uh, somebody else to pay for a lot of this, uh, if not all of it. It's and, and I know there's a lot of other details in the weed stuff, but uh, on the surface, it's just it, it's sickening. Uh, here we go once again. Uh, and it started with the threats, the, the empty threats of, you know, you know, uh, exploring Nashville or whatever. I mean, that, that happened back in the late 80s, you know, with Florida. Now, Florida went deep, you know, in terms of building a stadium, oh. really really thinking that the Florida White Sox were going to be a real thing. And Reinsdorf just completely knew exactly what he was doing the whole time and, and left them high and dry. Um, so, again, I, when people say, oh, Reinsdorf, you know, Oh, he cares about fans. You know, he, he's going to do anything he possibly can. It, no, he doesn't. He absolutely he doesn't care at all, especially not the way you and I would want an owner to care. Now, how many owners are actually out there in any sport that are really doing the fans bidding, you know, really doing what a fan wants them to do? It, it's probably on the, on the low end. Right. You know, because it is a right. well, it is a business um, that was exactly you took the words out of my mouth. Everything's it, it, a business. Everybody's got to make some money in the at the end of the day. But don't uh, believe don't believe this nonsense. You know, it, 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 this is he's playing it just like he did, uh, you know, the, the other time around with with new Comiskey. So um, no, and I know he's trying to sell it with the revenue that is it is going to generate outside of just the Sox Stadium. You know, they're talking about it being a, a nine billion dollar investment in the you know the city, the core of the city, the infrastructure, and and everything that's going to go up around the stadium. And you know, I've heard some crazy numbers about possible four billion dollars in revenue per year and two hundred million in taxes. Per, you know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff, and I'm sure he's selling. You know, the 10,000 construction jobs that they're talking about it's going to create during the time of building and the, you know, whatever it is, 22,000, I think they said, uh, permanent jobs. You know, he's he's a salesman, right? Obviously, the, yeah, he's been in real estate forever, so he's got some tricks up his sleeves, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, sure. I'm sure it's going to be. I would hope that it's even it's even more beautiful than the renderings. You know, I, I hope that. Uh, it is something that fans flock to that can find parking. And, and it's just, you know, uh, something that is rocking, you know, all summer long. But if the team isn't relevant and they don't invest in the team, I think you will find if you look at other gems out there stadium-wise, 
the fans drop off, attendance drop off. Now, I know Pittsburgh isn't Chicago. I, I get that. But what I'm trying to say is like, it, it loses some of its luster. You know, it's like, okay, cool, beautiful stadium. They're all over the place. That, that's, you know, it, you'll draw some people. But I just don't think people are going to be showing up, especially Sox fans, uh, in droves, can, you know, over and over, year after year, if the team is still a poor product. Yeah. No, I don't. Well, I mean, from your lips to God's ears, because uh, I know I'm I'm sitting here looking at a screen in front of me as you talk, and I'm looking at a former White Sox season ticket holder, and yeah. I know you are not the only yeah. one in recent years. So, uh, you know, I think that speaks volumes. It really does. You can give it, me a brand new stadium and a beautiful area, but. Why am I going to spend my hard-earned money? You know, especially when you want to tout the Sox fan base as being the, you know, the blue-collar fan base of the city. Uh, you know, everybody wants to talk about how the Cubs are the best in, in first fan base because, uh, you know, attendance numbers. And they got yeah, a trophy I, case full of those attendance, you know, trophies. But, it, you know, yeah, the reality exactly. is, is I'm not going to bust my hump to spend a small fortune to go to a game. Because that's really what it comes out to for a family these days now with tickets. And, you know, I know they're going to talk about parking, but but by the time we get to 2029, and supposedly there's like a 400 some odd, you know, space parking garage going up. Yay, whoopee. Uh, the, the money, <laughs> you know, how much do ticket prices increase when we have this brand new stadium and all this stuff around it? And how much are you going to be paying for a, a hot dog and a beverage and, or, you know, the bars that it's on premium, you know, landscape now when you're sitting on the river. Yeah. All of these things are, are you know, you know, obviously a ploy to make some money for Jerry and, and for the team. But, you know, you're just making things uh, a little uneasy for some of us to, to go out there if there's not a quality product in the field. Uh, speaking of product, uh, you've got everybody in camp. You've got full squad workouts now. You've got. The first spring training game on Friday, February 23rd, against the Northsiders, uh, it's happening here. You know, uh, we're seeing what Pedro Grifol can do in his second uh, year as White Sox manager. If, depending on who you talked to and what you've read, uh, the <laughs> clubhouse has completely been reflipped. Like, we've changed everything. How can anybody say that we have a 0.0, .0 chance? Have you seen all the changes that we've made? All the new people we've brought in? Yeah, people saw it. And they said, yeah, I'm still giving you 0, .0. <laughs> right. All right. You think maybe there's a lot of change in your mind, but that's not sustainable or substantial change uh, to equate a winning ball club. I, I want to bring up this quote with you. Because uh, this is uh, something yeah, that Pedro, uh, Pedro Grifol said uh, recently. And I love reading Pedro Grifol quotes because you, I just put a heater out too, bud. Uh, well, <laughs> this, I, hey, I was thought I was going to be able to get you two at a time here early in our uh, hot takes and heaters adventure. But here we go. Uh, this is from our fearless leader, Pedro Grifol. Uh, we had a great season, uh, Grifol said when he was asked for tangible reasons why the Sox will be uh, better. Uh, from a roster perspective, we had a really great offseason. Uh, and from a preparation perspective, we had a great offseason. Uh, we did exactly what we needed to do to prepare ourselves to execute this week, starting on day one. 
Our staff did a really incredible job of creating relationships and communicating with these guys. I've never been part of a camp where I've seen adjustments to pitch grips and mechanics on the first bullpen session of the spring. Great offseason was used several times in that two-paragraph quote. Um, I would not define the offseason as anything great. Uh, it's different. I think there are new bodies uh, in the, uh, you know, in the clubhouse that might help Pedro Grafol in terms of his message. But Danny, how can you call this a great offseason? Well, I don't. <laughs> uh, and I, I, you know, I, I get Pedro's got to go out there and, you know, try to put the best spin that he can on everything. Uh, but uh, the thing is, is if I'm going to look at it as a great offseason, the one thing that, it, that I'm going to have to focus on is is two guys that they brought in that are not players. And that's got to be uh, Josh Barfield and, uh, oh, wow. Just Bannister. Yeah, thank you. Bannister. With, with the addition of those two guys, you kind of hope that uh, maybe you find that extra spark that you've been missing. Uh, some, you know, you, you, you clean up some developmental things, you clean up some mental things, you clean up the clubhouse. Uh, you know, I don't really know. I don't want to act like I know who was the issues last year. You know, we heard guys come out and talk about people sleeping in the bullpen and sleeping in the dugout and guys not being there for team meetings or showing up late and, you know, all these things. And Pedro Grafal basically saying he never really had control of his clubhouse mm -hmm. because, you know, he couldn't sell his culture to a bunch of guys who weren't going to listen to it. Uh, you know, I I just hope that those things are cleaned up. But to say that we've had a great offseason, I mean, you brought in a bunch of guys who, you know, we've talked about in the past with uh, our very own Ian Eskridge in uh, some of our most recent shows about how these guys are most a lot of these guys they brought in are were coming off their statistically worse years of their career. Some of them are getting a little longer in the tooth, but you know, at the same time, maybe you bring in a, a new competitive spirit where guys, and, and I even heard it said by Chris Getz the other day that you know, you're bringing in guys that uh might not have had an opportunity on another team. There's a reason for that, Chris. There's a reason for that. They're not great ball players, you know, and, and I'm not trying to take away anything from these guys. Obviously, you got to have some talent just to make it to that level. But at the same time, you're trying to compete, right? You're, you're trying to not be in the basement of an easily winnable division. And that should not be your excuse for not going out and getting the ball players to bring yourself a winning team. And I'd just like to hear, you know, your thoughts on that as well. Well, I, I, it really irritated me. Um, you know, he – it just seems like he – is delusional I, I i don't know i i don't know what his i don't know what his end goal is for for saying what he what he says great great off season uh from from a roster perspective we had a really great off season I, i'm sorry i mean you got some one-year deals on some guys that can play positions maybe better than what we had up the middle last year uh your your starting staff there's potential but you've got guys that either didn't play at all last year because they weren't in the league or because of injury you got a guy like Garrett Crochet uh you know who 
what, 70 innings in the last three-plus years and is going to try to be in your starting staff. Michael Kopech still waiting to figure out what he has in store in his seventh year in a White Sox uniform. Uh, this hanging question of Dylan C is going to be traded or not. He's going to be gone eventually, folks. I guess it's just going to be a little bit down the road. You know, and, and other guys that are basically just playing for their lives, right? Everybody's trying to out to prove something, uh, yet we're still trying to figure out, like, where have you definitively upgraded at certain spots that have been lagging right field, you know, second base? I don't know. Maybe some things will emerge, you know, in, in camp. But this nonsense that he spews um, – it's tough for me to take him serious, uh, honestly. Um, you know, and yeah, he, he says that he doesn't want to do the rah rah thing this year in spring because he did it last year and it didn't work. Yeah, but no, that's what he's blew doing. Up in his face. Yeah, it, it really did. No one, no one bought it. They're like, come on, what's your resume as a major league coach? The Kansas City Royals didn't even want you. Okay, I'm not going to listen to you. He didn't know how to figure that out. That's just my theory on that. There's probably a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, but, you know, the, these types of quotes of with, you know, we're, we're going to hang that in the in the clubhouse's bulletin board material, 0.0%. Have, have you seen what we've done? Have you seen what we've done to this roster? We've flipped it. Have you seen the people we've brought in? People have, you know, and again, you, you got to play the games. You got to field a roster because those are the rules. And and I think we all know that that's what's going to be going on in 2024. Sure, anything can happen, right? But I, I'm sorry. I'm tired of just hanging on to the hope and chance and luck. And, and maybe, maybe there's always going to be question marks, right? But when you go after proven talent, you know, it, you kind of eliminate some of those those question marks, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, uh, oh man, I, you know, I, I'm glad I have the heater going already because these are the conversations that are going to make me continue to rip away as we go on from show to show. Uh, you know, you mentioned a bunch of guys that. Uh, you know, obviously, we're hoping to see something from, right? And we're hoping to see some healthy players out there that haven't been healthy. You know, the idea that Garrett Crochet is going to be a starter this year, uh, you know, is a, a great example of, of that question that, like, you brought up. But, you know. So, Danny, with that, like, and and we talked about it last week on, on, on the program, but – Okay, may, maybe it happens. Maybe he did all the off-season work. Maybe he is healthy, so why not? Like, those types of things, guys on prove-it years, guys, like, you know, trying to reinvent themselves, all that stuff put together in a blender, I'm like, that just doesn't pour a, a team that's really focused and is going to be going after something, even in the AL Central, the stuff that we were kind of pitched at the beginning of the off-season. So... Yeah, that's well, all that's, experimental stuff. That's like what a team does when they're, you know, fringy and like I, I don't. I'm just hey, I'm just trying to figure some things out this year. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, I uh, that's kind of exactly where I was going with that statement. Is when you throw all those things together, 
you know, all the what ifs, all the, hey, you know, we need to improve on this. We need to improve on that. Do you expect to hit on 100% of all the issues that you had last year? Do you expect all your supposed superstar players to all of a sudden be healthy and doing things the way they're supposed to when we've been waiting for years upon years upon years for that to happen? And it's just supposed to happen overnight because, you know, we brought in some new staff. You know, we've added numbers to our staff so that we can focus on some of these players one on one a little bit more and not kind of, you know, shuffle some things to the side. You know, uh, Ian has always been a, a an advocate for pointing out the fact that, you know, uh, you know, just for example, the pitching, you know, how can uh, how can Mr. Katz go out there and and fix you know, an entire pitching staff because it's easier to focus on one thing that's wrong, but when everything is wrong, you know, where does your focus lie and are you spreading yourself thin? We, we can try to sell all of those things, but the reality is is it's it's not a, a, a realistic thought to think that you are going to be able to hit on every cylinder and every stride and every improvement that you are trying to make and sell this thing. So like you said, when he's coming out there and he's not going to do the rah-rah thing, but it's exactly what he's doing. And Sox fans are not stupid, right? We're not dummies. We are the working man's fan. And we do like to do our research. You know, you look at the number of White Sox podcasts that are out there and the number of listeners that each podcast has got, everybody's invested in this thing. And nobody's dumb and nobody's going to buy that crap. So they're, they're, they're really passionate, know. passionate fans. And, you know, if you're doing any type of content creation, it's in my mind, it's because you're probably not hearing the type of content that you want to hear. And you've got something to say. You need a healthy outlet. You want to put something out there like we talked about at the beginning, almost in a therapeutic way uh, right. for the good, for the bad, for everything in between. There, there are more of us, you know, than we really realize. It's just tough to find. It's sometimes tough to find and rub shoulders with like-minded people as are White Sox fans. And when you can connect with somebody, and I've connected with so many uh, great White Sox fans, you know, since doing content creation so many years ago, it, it feels good. I'm not alone. You know, I, we're going through this together, through the highs uh, and through the lows. Um, you know, when I stopped season tickets this past fall, it wasn't because I knew the team was going to be bad. I'm fine with that. I'm fine if the product is bad. What I started to feel, and I felt like this a couple of years ago, was an, an absolute disconnect with the organization and to the fans. There just felt like a, just kind of like a little pat on the head and like, you should just be happy that you have a team on the South side to root for. You know, we're not going to give yeah. you any extra more. We're not going to go out of our way uh, to make things amazing. We're going to kind of just, you know, just kind of float in, in this limbo area. And, and when they kept Pedro Grafol around and they just hired Chris Getz without even a real search, it's like, well, where, where's the investment? Like, what, what am I paying so much for when you're clearly not investing, you know, in the, in the product? Why, why are you asking me to go above and beyond when you're not showing me? You're definitely not treating me that way. And it's not just the holder. It's not just the product on the field. I feel like the service inside the stadium has kind of taken a dip. You know, I I feel like yeah. and when you when you say Brooks Boyer, or I'm sorry, when you say disconnect, I immediately think of Brooks Boyer. 
the same you know, old I'm, stuff they run out. Uh, it is the same old it is the same old stuff. But when I go into a game and it takes me, you know, an hour or more to get through that line because of old security uh measures and it, and then I get in there and some of the concession stands are open because they're not ready by the time the game starts and you know they've got frozen food they're still thawing out or there are you know concession stands that are closing by the second or third inning because well ah, we just sold out we were unprepared yeah we were unprepared and, and and Danny it's these it's these relationships that Reinsdorf has had for years you know the same people doing the same job and we're just going to run it back year after year. You know, we're, we're not going to busy ourselves trying to get, you know, inventive or creative or, or connect again with, with fans or go out of our way to do anything. You know the product. Show up if you want to show up. If not, you know, what else are you going to do? And the sell the team stuff, you know, sell the team, you know, all this kind of stuff that really was getting fired up this past season. I look at, you know, Reinsdorf seeing that and all of his other cronies, you know, in the organization. Um, and they said, you know what, if they don't want it, we'll just leave, you know, we'll, or we'll not, we'll, we'll stop giving you the extra stuff. If you're not happy, we're not going to go out of our way, you know, to make sure your experience is amazing, you know, or you feel that deep connection uh, with this, with this team, like you might have years ago, like we're, we're upset. If you're going to be upset, fine. And there was like this pouting. You know, this, this, it felt really weird. I hadn't felt it in, in years. And I'm talking about some bad teams that I sat through. And sure, you know, I get it. People go because it's what you do. And you've made friends at the ballparks. You go, and that's great. But look, if I was, if I'm meeting friends someplace and we go to, the, to, to a similar place year after year, day after day, week after week, whatever you want to call it, and the place has gone down, the the, down the tubes and they're not investing in the place and and the food's crappy and the service is horrible you know it's like well i really love this place but you know maybe we could find something else you know and i'll, and I'll just be a casual observer and i'm not going to invest as much i like these people maybe i could hang out with these people in a different way i i, I don't know but for me it just is not worth it right now yeah uh you know I mean, having said all that, obviously, you know, I still want to go to at least a handful of games, right? Of course. I sure. can't make it through a summer and say, you know, I'm not going to give my money to this organization. I'm not going to, you know, not support my White Sox. You know, it, I, I got to get out there. I, The smells of the ballpark are something that is just nostalgic for me going back to my childhood. I hope you the and I are sitting the together uh, opening day, you know. Uh, Absolutely, that, and I'm sure we be will a, be. That would be a joy. I, I get you at 100%, man. I will be there when I can be there. I will make it a point to, you know, to get out there, bring my son out there, uh, have those moments, have those experiences. But the investment that I was putting in, especially financially, it's like, uh, I don't know. Just to, just to, just to fork my m money over blindly when the renewal comes in, it's like, well, where, like, what am I getting in return? You know? Yeah, uh, and it, I don't think anybody's going to be mad at you for saying it. You know, I mean, obviously, anybody that wants to try to tell me how to spend my money, I'm going to tell. Well, you know where you can take that idea, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, you know, it's, it, for what it's worth, you know, fireworks. Being in the ballpark, you know, 
having a having a, a an adult sparkling beverage with some of your closest buddies or even not so close buddies just being around other Sox yeah. fans something to be said about that but again yeah, you know I'm with you 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 can't if you can't justify going out there and spending a bunch of money on a large package you shouldn't you shouldn't have yeah. to do it but now you know that kind of brings me to something else I, I'd like to ask you because getting back to you know how we were talking about the product on the field and not just the fan experience you know, with uh, with spring training rolling, you know, obviously we have some questions that are out there, and I and you know, I kind of pointed out that there's a lot of issues that need to be corrected next year, right, or this year yeah. from last year. What do you think are the feasible and maybe even plausible uh, corrections that we will see this season? You know, if, if they improved defense, which I think they did, and again, the bar was very low, right? So you didn't have to do too much to all of a sudden have a better defense. Uh, playing people in their correct positions, you know, there you go. You've already have a better defense. I'd like to see just, you know, the basics in terms of that, hitting cutoff men, you know, knowing where you should be, not looking uh, confused or caught off guard, in certain situations like just being like preparedness like being prepared uh as much as you possibly can and that goes with you know know, everybody on the defensive front i think that's attainable right like that 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 should be able to be done with a major league ball club like we there were just some laughable moments last year um you know, I'd like to see discipline at the plate, Danny. I mean, we've we've talked about chasing <laughs> pitches. We've talked about a lack of preparedness in that side. You know, the mindset, just the ability to get on base. Because with Pedro Grafol and Chris Getz, it's all about speed, right? We're going to be fast. We're going to play fast. Well, you got to get on base, man. So that has been lacking, uh, not just certain players, everybody, in terms of getting, you know, on the base path. So, I mean, those are two things that I'd like to see. Yeah, there's a lot, but, you know, I'll leave some stuff there, you know, for you to chop up. Um, what's it, What's really obtainable? What are you looking for? Well, you know, I feel like you you brought up uh, a very good point when you talk about how, uh, you know, he said the things like they, they want to play fast and, and they want to get, you know. He didn't actually say this, but I feel like it's a, it's kind of a callback to an Ozzie Guillen came uh back to the white Sox as a manager you know and small ball mm-hmm. was was a big thing during his tenure right uh and i feel like pedro is almost trying to do that same kind of thing and, and suck some folks back in with that kind of talk uh but really honestly the one thing that you brought up was cleaning up approach and i think that's probably going to be one of those things that you know i'd like to think is on the easier side for the white Sox. But they've proven that it hasn't been so easy up until this point. But uh, with the right personnel in the coaching staff and the right personnel in player development, uh, I, I kind of have an uh, uh, an optimistic feeling <clears throat> about where that could possibly really turn around. I, I feel like if this White Sox team just cleans up his approach. Stop striking out. Take a few more walks. See some more batters' pitches instead of pitchers' pitches. What a turnaround this team mm-hmm. could have, right? And they, they could be somebody who, 
you know, with better improved defense that helps the pitching, if they can put a couple rounds on the board, we might see a team that looks like they actually want to play baseball. And that's really all I'm hoping for. I just want more entertaining product than we've seen the last year and a half or so. So a couple things. I, I agree, but we, we've seen what other teams have done to the White Sox. Uh, they have grinded at bats out. They have been patient, and it has infuriated White Sox pitching to the point of you've seen frustrations on the mound because uh, you know batters are pesky. You know batters will take their walks. They'll be patient. They will not chase. Uh, so I would like to see that. I, I'd like to see them be better prepared with the opposition of what they will face uh, on the mound uh, that night, potentially. So th- there's something that I've been thinking, you know, you know, again, it's like, it's everything goes right. And, and this, that, and the other. And I think there is something to playing to your strengths, knowing your identity as a team, knowing like what you absolutely can do, like what kind of ball club are you going to be? And there's being honest with yourself. And then there's kind of like living in denial or living in, you know, fantasy, which might have been going on the last year or so. Where we wanted to hit the ball of the bar ballpark. We're going to be this power hitting team clubbing home runs, you know, whether it's Aloy or Robert. or And that didn't happen. Like, that's just not something that was able to be done. Uh, it's a mystery, especially at a ballpark <laughs> like, you know, at 35th and Shields. So if you're trying to be a different team and you've gotten players now in, in this great offseason that can provide that for a, a Pedro Grifol philosophy, well, if they if they stick to that that brand of baseball and they play their style of baseball and they do what they can do really well, they don't beat themselves, they, they play mistake-free baseball, kind of a way that the guardians can do to you, you know, like they know what their identity is and they just beat you because they don't beat themselves. They make you make the mistakes. I'm wondering if that could really, can that catch fire? And you see out of the box, like, wow, after April, it's like "Eh, the Sox team's kind of hanging around there because, you know, they've, I want to say mastered, but they've done what they can do to the best of their ability. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I really don't have anything to add to that. That's uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you said it perfectly. And, and you know, again, I, I'm still hopeful that we get something of an entertaining product and I'll just leave it at that. You know, I'm not yep. going to try to poo poo on the season before the first pitch is thrown. Right. You know, I we will. can leave look at everything me. on leave paper that to me, leave that. I'll do that. <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> I have had my share of uh, less than favorable takes, right, for this White Sox team over the past year and a half, and then a lot through this this current offseason. And, uh, you know, I, I want to try to take as much of an optimist's approach as I possibly can going into this thing because, you know, in reality, being negative constantly – is going to get us nowhere. And I don't want to be upset with, with the team that I am so passionate about. Yeah. At least hundred percent of the time. I, I, I get you. It's uh, I think it's <clears throat> more of, I, I take such a realistic uh, approach and like, this is the reality. Like th- I'm basing it off of what you have done this off season, what you've talked about. And so 
Yeah, I, I, I can make an argument of I, I could see how things might be more enjoyable, you know, but I'm 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 waiting till it actually happens. OK, to, to live in that moment, I, I, I can see a path where it's like, well, all right, things aren't as bad as we all assumed. Uh, but but of course, a lot of things have to go right um, before we you know, before we say goodbye, um, you know, we, we've got to talk about this graphic that was all over. Uh, oh. it, was, it was all over social media uh, here on uh, Tuesday, February 20th. And it, it is go. It's a really interesting graphic about how many different um, position players have started on opening day for ball clubs. And, you know, the Sox are just notorious, uh, especially second base and right field. And I forgot how bad DH has been. Here we go. Is this number four? Because someone was counting uh, in the chats, in the comments. Well, um, yeah, so, there it is. Um, you got it. Actually, uh, I think so, uh, I think the uh, the stream elements got one ahead of me there. I think this okay. is three, but that's all right. Okay. Uh, so I'm not going to put you on the spot in terms of if you can name all of the right fielders, we could probably come close all the second basemen. I feel like we've been struggling with right field since, uh, you know, what, Avi the Garcia, turn of the century. You know. <laughs> but anyway, here is, uh, here's, here's the graphic that I'm talking about here. So consecutive years with a different starter on opening day at a position, uh, that is unbelievable. The San Francisco Giants are at 17 years with a different left fielder on opening day. And how about in our own division? 12 years uh, for the Guardians uh, with right field. Uh, we're at uh, – Sox come up often on this, uh, on this graphic. Uh, 11 years. So for 11 years, the White Sox have had a different uh, second baseman on opening day. Uh, 10 years, a decade for a designated hitter. That could change. We'll talk about it in a moment. Uh, and then six years uh, for right field. Now, I mean, they've addressed second base, but I don't believe it's a long-term solution. So I think that streak could be going for a few more years. Uh, and they've kind of addressed right field, but I think it's going to be a battle in camp. Uh, but right field will change. Uh, there's going to be a different right fielder because Romy Gonzalez is now in Boston and he was your starting right fielder on opening day last year. Uh, second base, I believe it was Elvis Andrews, right? That, that's the obvious choice of who was starting second base uh, for the Sox. And he's not, uh, at least he hasn't signed uh, with the White Sox. I think he's still looking for a team. And designated hitter Danny uh, was Aloy Jimenez last year. That could potentially be a repeat so that streak might be over um, unless he wins the right field job <laughs> there you are mr positive <laughs> and, and then we, and we keep the streak going on all fronts <laughs> so i love you it. know yeah, uh you're back it, it, it's uh you know i mean it's just one of those things like why not you know it, it when when the the obvious becomes the norm it yeah. oh you just kind of get well you don't never it's a get self-fulfilling really prophecy you know it's like well you know of course it's it's been happening for uh a decade or close to a dozen years it's just that's the white Sox way <laughs> yeah meet the new boss same as the mm, old boss thank you love it i love that <laughs> i love that line uh it, it applies to the white Sox in so many ways uh so, you know, when you're talking about like, well, what's changed with this great offseason? I mean, if they went, Danny, and they they signed, they locked up somebody in right field for 
you know, five years, five, six years and said, this is our right fielder. We are investing in right field. We found, we found the right fielder. Or if you did that in second base, I would say, okay, that's different. You've done something different than you normally have been doing. You know, if you found, you know, a maybe lightning to the thunder of Dylan Cease, even though I believe Dylan Cease is going to be gone in the near future. If you went out and you got a front line starter, wow, that's different. You don't go out and you don't get starting pitching. You don't pay for pitching. Wow, that is different. You guys are going in a different direction. I mean, these little flips here in the in there and bringing a couple guys in that, you know, that to me, it doesn't doesn't symbolize much. No, uh, you know, I've said it in past shows and I'll say it again. I am like the state of Missouri. You have to show me. There you you got to show me in, in order for me to really buy in 100 percent. I need to see something uh, right now. Like I said, I'm just trying to stay positive. Whether or not I believe it is a whole nother, you know, ball club. That they were, it's in a we're in a whole other realm to be honest with you. But I, I'm hopeful that they do prove me wrong. And uh, you know, I maybe maybe one of these guys that they're gonna bring up to play middle infield this year is gonna be a guy who sticks. You know, maybe we have found a gamer out there in right field that sticks. But yep. you know, there's also a there's also a handful of <clears throat> free agents out there <clears throat> excuse me yeah it's hard for me to say that free agents that you uh, <laughs> that uh you know the white Sox might go out and actually spend yeah. some money on you know the yeah. name cody bellinger is still rolling around out there even though he's a boris client and we've got that whole standoff going on with his uh and you, know, you could change the narrative in that too you know <laughs> uh with the white Sox. so uh the next time we talk you know there'll be some spring training action under the, under the belt. You know, we'll be able to to talk about some real actual game scenarios. It sounds like Pedro Grafol is uh, going to be going with a lot of relievers, you know, bullpen arms at the beginning. You're not going to see probably starters at the beginning, uh, trying to figure out what we might have with, uh, with all of these, uh, all these arms that and I don't new know. Pitch grips. New pitch grips. Yeah, new pitch grips. <laughs> did, did you see the pitch grips? Have you noticed what's going on? Like we're actually gripping the ball how we should be gripping the ball. You know, we're a lot of this stuff with the White Sox is like, yeah, you should have been doing this like three years ago. Like, where have you been? You know, these other organizations have figured it out. You're late to the game. Yeah. All in all, baseball's back. Whether baseball's back. Gonna... Whether or not we're going to see any good baseball is is it remains to be seen. Baseball is uh, back, I and I, uh, I I purchased uh, I you know I purchased a, some White Sox gear today as well, Danny. I got the uh, I don't know if you've seen the I think it's the clubhouse hat that's got the diamond patch on the front with the with the white sock. Um, that's I, I like that logo a lot, and and I and I splurged on that. Uh, I don't care at all for the jerseys. Nobody does. I don't know what happened with all those jerseys. Uh, that looks pretty ridiculous, um, yeah. the lettering and everything. Uh, but I'm definitely a hat guy, and that one, I, I like that one. So now, I'm not a big fan of the spring training hat, the, the gray. Oh, see, I love it. And you I know like a lot the of people. gray. Okay. I do. I do. Wow. I, you know, but, you know, I, I'm weird. It, it, and and to I'm, me, I'm it okay lacks to admit that personality. I, I liked what they were doing last year with the uh, the old like 1917 
logo, the SOX with the O and the X like embedded in the S. And uh, it, it was weird to me with like when you look at the jersey because they had the hitmen you know, on the chest. They had the SOX. Uh, old English on the sleeve, mm-hmm. and then they had the SOX, the 1917. You had three different logos you're looking at, and as like an old former graphic designer, that like got all weird in my brain. Like, yeah, there was definitely a lot going on there. Um, I, I I did like the the Hitman when they chopped the SOX, and it was just like you know the kind of abbreviated version of the Hitman. That was the previous uh, spring training cap. That one was kind of nice and clean. And it went well with the with the Hitman Spring Training logo that they've got on their jersey. So, well, you know, a, you I know, just I'm feel like this year's. Guy. Yeah, no, and and don't get me wrong, I am too, but uh, I like a little bit of variety. And you know, this one doesn't. It, it kind of lacks that. So I'm kind of feeling like maybe it's a reflection of the simplistic <laughs> uh, approach that we are taking to uh, this off season and rolling into uh, spring training and yeah. Maybe just getting back to the fundamentals. There you go. I, I like it. You're, you're, you're positive. You end on a positive note. Uh, folks that have, have been joining us, uh, appreciate that. You know, on, on Future Socks YouTube, on Twitch. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're here Tuesday nights all through the season. So at, at times, Danny, we might be doing the post game on some of these games, which will be fun. Yeah, hopefully we have a, a handful of wins to uh, talk about while we're doing that. Yeah, I uh, want to thank uh, Ian Eskridge for putting, uh, you know, all the graphics and everything. Uh, he's uh, He's been just absolutely awesome. Uh, watch his show, tune into his show with James Fox. Uh, that's on Sunday nights uh, for Future Sox. Uh, Danny Miller, at Danny Miller FS. I am Nick Morawski, at Nick underscore GGTB and the old uh, Twitter X. Really appreciate you jumping in. Pass this along to other Sox fans in your life. We'll see you next Tuesday. Hot takes and heaters. Uh, Danny, uh, good stuff tonight. Yeah, cheers to you, brother. Uh, So long, my Sox friends. Uh, Until next week.